Welcome to the Live Big Podcast featuring Dr. Derek Greer, where we teach principles from God's Word that will empower you to live big. For more information, visit DerekGreer.com. Here's Dr. Greer. Hebrews chapter 12, chapter 12, verse 1. Now, because church, you know, has certain parameters and we can't be here all day, I'm not going to be able to cover the 11th chapter, but really the 12th chapter is a pickup on the 11th chapter. And on the prior chapter, he focused on all the heroes of the faith. He, he talked about Abel. He talked about uh, uh, Abraham, Moses, Rahab, and, and, and the rest. And, and, and what was amazing is by the time you get to verse 12, he links us together with all of those greats of the past. And he says this, Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 1. Therefore, or consequently, we what? Also, alongside Enoch, Jeremiah, Sarai, uh, Elijah's widow woman, we also, God wants our names listed alongside their names. You know, we, we, we learn from people in the past, but keep in mind they're not here anymore. If we don't advance in our generation, it just won't get done. It's up to us now to do the exploits in Jesus' name. Since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of what? Witnesses. The imagery here is a little bit difficult because, you know, uh, we, we don't live back then. But, but the imagery here is of the ancient heroes of the past crowding together in a Roman Colosseum, I guess much like our, our football stadiums, no longer just to tell their stories, but now to watch us. And I believe at certain high points in our journey, God allows those who have gone before us to, to watch. They're not spying on everything we do and that type of thing. But every now and then, when we step into destiny and purpose and we built upon the foundation that they had laid in the past, I believe God encourages them by, by letting them uh, uh, watch what we're doing. Then he said, let us lay aside every what? Wait. Do you know the Bible talked about our weight? If you're serious about winning, we're going to have to trim down and condition ourselves. You know, underneath this extra 20 pounds of weight is still a man that I believe can run a five-minute mile. But here's the deal. It's underneath (laughs) this 20 pounds of weight. And at this point in my life, the only way to uncover or re-uncover that man that used to be able, I used to be able to do a four minute mile, but now I'm shooting maybe five and a half. Maybe, maybe I could do that. But the point is, he's in there, but he has to be uncovered to be found. It's like one speaker said here a couple of years ago, he said, you know, underneath my keg is a six pack. <laughs> Everybody has it underneath. It's just that everyone doesn't dig deep enough and condition ourselves to rediscover or find it. Let us lay aside every week, weight, and the what? Sin. Weight here is distinct from sin. And and we discover in life, weight is not necessarily put on from doing anything wrong. Weight comes, yeah, from from, from eating a little bit more, but, but it mostly comes by becoming inactive. And I believe right now God wants to reactivate certain areas of our lives to condition us for the race that he's assigned us to. Now, I love the Lord, but you know what? In the condition I'm in, I'm not running a marathon. So in order for me to be able to run the race God's assigned me, it will require what? Conditioning. How do you spell conditioning? W-O-R-K. 
And in order for us to, to complete the race God has set before, it's going to require a little bit of work. Now, this message this morning is not really a shout-me-down message. It's one of those messages you kind of say, ooh, you say, ah, and I can't wait till he's finished. But I believe I'm going to help you if you stay tuned until the end. And the sin which so easily ensnares us. So we see here, weight slows us down, but sin trips us up. And and if you're serious about running, you're going to have to learn to tie your shoes. If you're serious about running this race for Jesus, you're going to have to learn to zip up your zipper. If you're serious about running this race for Jesus, you're going to have to learn to, to button up that blouse until the Lord says the time is right. A few claps, a little better than the first service. And let us run, not not aimlessly, not not just to run for running's sake, but the running that God calls for in our lives is a special type of running. He says this, let us run with what? Endurance. This race requires more than talent. It requires a never quit attitude if you're going to be successful in the thing that God's assigned you to. It's not a 10-second sprint. It's more like that 26-mile marathon. It requires some gumption. It requires some guts. It requires some pushing through the difficult points to get to the finish line. He said, let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. This is important because we don't choose our course. God does. One person may, may run as a government worker. Another person may run as a school teacher. Another person may, may run as a servant, a server at Denny's. Another person may run their race as a single uh, mother. But the bottom line is you have a course you have to run. You might make a right where I make a left. You know, you, you might sprint at a different time than, than, than I sprint. But the short of it is you have a race to run. And God has marked it out specifically for you. And you got to embrace your particular race. Verse 2. Looking unto who? Jesus. How many of you know you you can't uh, run forward looking backwards? Yeah, it's a recipe for disaster. In order to win, you got to keep your your eyes focused on the one standing at the finish line. And Jesus is standing at the finish line of each of our race with the trophy, with the reward, with with everything he's promised. But we got to get there in order for us to receive it. And then here he he, he describes the one standing at the finish line. He calls him the author and the finisher of our faith. In Revelations, he's called the Alpha and the Omega. He's the one who saw your end from the beginning and then gave you everything you need in order to run your race. Everything you need for your race, God has already placed on the inside of you. The deal is it's there in raw form. Like I said, I could still run a five-minute mile. But I'd have to chisel that out. The only way I could get there, I'd probably have to get out there and, and beat the, the, the tar, the cement, or concrete, whatever I run on, you know, uh, day after day after day, probably for over a year before I could get back to that number. It's in there. I have the capacity. It's there as potential. But the only way kinetic energy becomes kinetic energy is that bad four-letter word, W-O-R-K, work. The author and finisher of our what? Faith. What God began, he can finish. But here's the deal. 
all the, the water in our life is not surface water. Meaning, there are people around the globe that have water. Matter of fact, as a church, we have dug wells. We, we dug wells in the Dominican Republic, and we've also sent money to dig wells in, in, in places in Africa. Water is there. The problem is they haven't tapped into it. In order for them to tap into it, they had to dig a hole. And some of us don't want to get dirty. We want the low-hanging fruit. But, but, but if you want water that lasts, you sometimes got to dig deep. You understand? You got to push through some things in order to, to get a supply that will keep you and uh, sustain you. But let's move on. Who for the joy that was set before him, what did he do? There is another bad word. Endured. That's a tough word, endured. And what scripture is saying here is that there wasn't a whole lot of joy in the middle of it. But he believed that there would be joy on the other side of it. As a follower of Jesus, you will have some circumstances where it's not real happy and exciting and not real joyful in the middle of it. But if you're truly a follower of Jesus, you'll believe that Abba Father, Daddy God, has something on the other side of it. And because of it, you endure through it. You hear me? How do people give up what they want most for what they want now? We give up the eternal for the temporary. We give up the long-term stability for a short-time thrill. And Jesus is trying to rewire our thinking to begin to have us think like kingdom citizens like children of the most high and recognize that that you know we're not in this for the short term we're in it for the long term and in order to get to the end of the 26th mile it's gonna gonna it's gonna require that 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 tough word no one wants to preach about endurance who for the joy that was set it didn't say he was feeling it it was set before him and because what was set in his eyesight not what he had in hand he endured the what cross now we know that the cross's whole strategy was surrender the maximum amount of pain for the maximum length of time the romans were not just interested in killing people he wasn't even interested in in, in just hurting people they wanted to hurt you to the max and the cross was designed to hurt you the most but keep you alive the longest. So some people stayed on the cross for hours, other people days. And the word excruciating, the word cross, crux, crux, cross, we get that word from the cross, excruciating. And the longevity, that again, if you cut my head off, if you, if you, if you cut my arm and my hand off, you know, and, and you just cut a piece of me off every, every 15 minutes, you, you'd be done in just a matter of hours. But the cross was, was created to last a long time. So next time Jesus said, take up your cross and follow him, you're not going to think about what that really, really <laughs> means. But the cross was the height of human depravity. But what, watch this. He endured the cross, despising the shame. Jesus faced two distinct pains on Calvary. The cross and its shame. One was emotional, the other was physical. And when you combine the two, you are dealing with the, the greatest pain a human being can possibly experience. A writer says this about this verse. I want to read this. 
He said, on the cross, Jesus said, he was talking about Jesus' internal conversation. He said, listen to me, Shane. Do you see the joy that's on the other side of this? You got to talk to your problem in the middle of your problem. Compared to that, you're less than nothing. The way you hurt me can't even come close to the way God will reward me. You got to have that conviction. He said he despises shame. And the writer said this. He said, why will I even look at you? You are ugly. And I'm almost finished and on the other side. And on the other side, I see joy, 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 joy. He said, right now, you, you, you cover me as with a shroud. But before you can say, so there, I got you. I will throw you off like a filthy rag and I'll put back on my royal robe. That's the way Jesus endured the cross, and that's the way you can endure your cross. It's by seeing what's on the other side and allowing God to to set joy before you. Now, it might not, right now, you might not be feeling it, but if you endure through it and get to the other side, you will be enthroned at the right hand of the Father, just like Jesus. Despising the shame, he sat down. He saw himself doing this. When he was on the cross, he didn't see himself on the cross. He he saw himself sitting down. That's what the Bible says, at the right hand of the throne of God. According to this passage of Scripture, even on the cross, Jesus was talking smack. He was on the cross saying, oh, death, is this the best you got? Oh, death, where is your sting? When I get to the other side of this, I got something for you, Mr. Death. I believe on the cross, he started shaking his head and... Yeah, he did. It's my sermon. I'll preach it the way I want. But that's what you got to do in the middle of your thing. Start shaking your head. When I get to the other side of this, that's going to pale in comparison to what God got for me over there. Yeah, I'll be here for a minute, but a minute's going to end, and I'm going to be over there. that, That has to be the way. Has to be the way. The Bible said, the, the, the sufferings, and they're just for a moment. They're working in us an eternal weight of glory. So yeah, I'll go through it for a moment. But, but what does a minute compare to eternity? You understand? For consider him. Jesus was taken down on a Friday night, but he was back up. Changing the world by Sunday morning. Yeah, he hung like a felon, but he was back up roaring like a lion. But listen, you got to face your Friday night in order to get to the Sunday night. For consider him. Now, the issue is what we consider in our trial. You say, okay, you're going through something. Okay, here's the deal. I want you to turn away from yourself, and I want you to think about him. Watch this. For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, his holy self. You see, the disciples had to deal with violent mobs. Jesus was crucified by by, by a violent army. But here's the deal. Few of us in this room are dealing with violent mobs. The most any of us in this room would deal with, every now and then, yeah, we we might have a struggle. The, 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 The only battle we have is the battle we have within ourselves. Imagine Peter, James, and John looking down on some of us. Oh, I gave up because it got so hard. 
oh, it was just so hard. And I, 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 I get Peter, look at Jane. Now, 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 now. I remember when they, they beat me. John, do you remember when they boiled you? Actually, before the Isle of Patmos, they tried to boil John, but he just wouldn't boil. And God kept him alive. So that they, they exiled him on the Isle of Patmos. Now, do you remember? Imagine Paul coming to, yeah, yeah, they beat my back. But, 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 but you said you gave up because uh, uh, the, they didn't remember your name. You, you said because uh, uh, you, you said you had to get up a little earlier to come to church. Uh, what, was, what, what, what was your issue? Can anybody say with me perspective? That's what we need. Listen, I've been privileged to, to, to travel the globe. And uh, I know we talk about poor people in this country, but let me tell you something. I've been in some places, they're really some poor people. In the United States of America, even in poor homes, we typically have running water. We can flush the toilet. I remember one situation, they had running water. And I was excited about that. But here's the deal, it only worked every four or five days. So I want you to imagine using the bathroom and not being able to flush for three or four days. We think, man, you know, because I don't have a BMW like my neighbor, oh God, I'm, oh, I'm missing out and oh God, I, my, my house is only 3,000 square feet and, and the guy that works across the hall, he has a 4,000 square feet. Oh God, life is hot. I'm going to give up on this church. I'm not giving another offering again. I'm walking away. God, it's not fair. It's not fair. It's not fair. I was you know, talking about the ancients, but just looking at the contemporary world. Six billion people on this planet, maybe 400,000 live in the United States. That, that's not even a, I don't know if that's 10%. I don't know, my math's not so good, but I don't think that's 10%. In the life we live, we're rich. You say, I, 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 I. I'm trying to get off the point because the, the clock's moving. But here's the deal. You can drive. You, you can, maybe in, in some of these countries, you can buy a Mercedes. But guess what? You got to drive on dirt roads. And you're bumping and beating it. The things we take for granted. The fact we have a road that we got some potholes, especially around that 14th Street area. We got some potholes. <laughs> But we got to get some perspective on what's, you know, really tough and what's really hard, lest we give up and faint too, 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 too quickly. He said, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. You know, when, when it gets tough, you got to remember, you know, you know what? Nobody beat you with a cat of nine tails last week. Nobody nailed you. To wooden beams. Nobody stripped you naked and put a crown of thorns on your head. Yeah, you lost your job, and I'll pray with you. Yeah, you might have lost your house, even your car, but you didn't lose your life. Perspective, perspective, perspective. My husband's not nice, at least you got one. My wife doesn't cook good, at least you can eat. Perspective, perspective. 
perspective. Verse four. I'm single, at least you have a body. You're in your right mind. You're not married to someone driving you crazy. Count your blessings. Four. You have not yet, and it gets worse, and I only have about 15 minutes. Hang, stay with me. You've not yet resisted to bloodshed, striving against sin. And the worst that happened to us, we got so mad and upset, we walked out and we got some fresh air. But did you ever have to drip droplets of blood? Did blood mingle with your sweat and your fight to do the right thing? All you did was excuse yourself. You're like, I'm quitting. No, that's not Bible. And have you forgotten? This is why we need each other. We need Sundays like this to remind one another. The exhortation that speaks to you as sons. Now, if God would lead his only begotten, his perfect firstborn son through pain, how much more do you think God might lead his lesser sons and daughters through pain and process every now and then? But no, I'm a Christian. What? Wait, wait. Christian means you like Christ. So you have a Christianity apart from the Christ. He said, my son, do not despise or act like you're above. Church, I'm your pastor and I know the truth. So are people, how did this happen to me? I'm a Christian. What? I mean, if, if anyone had the stuff to go through what you're facing, it ought to be you. So what you complaining about? But we feel entitled. And because we, 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 we love Jesus, we shouldn't go through pain, but it's not Bible. Pain is part of process. Pain is part of loving. Love is the most powerful thing we could ever do, but it's also the most painful. Just start loving somebody. They hurt you real good. Hurt you real good. Real good. You know, when God gave us children, all they did was take our hearts out of our chest and put legs on them, and them babies can hurt you real good. Real good. You have been listening to the Live Big Podcast with Dr. Derek Greer. For more information, visit DerekGreer.com or follow Dr. Greer on social media.